Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Well, everyone, welcome back to a very exciting episode of the Storybox podcast. Today, my friends, I'm delighted to welcome Marcus Dibb, otherwise known as the Offensive Tranny on YouTube. Many of you may know who he is. And if you don't, you're about to get to know more about him. Marcus, I've been doing something very different on my show of late. I've been turning the introduction on my guests (laughs) and uh, asking them. So instead of me gushing about who you are and what you do, I'm asking my guests to explain to my audience who you are and what you do. So Marcus, can you please take it away from here? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, thank you. So um, I'm a 23-year-old transsexual from Denmark and I make YouTube videos and, and I create content for the internet um, about trans topics, LGBT topics that are really um, heated right now. Um, and I call myself the offensive tranny as like a joke or it's ironic because I'm not the one being offensive, but telling the truth and um, being against like gender ideology is apparently offensive nowadays. So I would gladly <laughs> um, identify as offensive. And um, yeah, I've been doing this type of content for about four years. And yeah, I make my content in English because I feel like this, um, uh, you know, the talk about gender ideology and kids transitioning, all this crazy stuff happening is happening a lot more in the U.S. than here. Unfortunately, we see it here, too. But it's um, it's very interesting to talk to an international audience as well. Well, Marcus, welcome so much to the Storybox podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you here. And I guess the the very first place that I want to start off with is you mentioned in the intro that you are a transsexual. Firstly, what does that even mean for those people that somehow have missed what transsexual means? Because now it's transgenderism and trans and all that sort of stuff, all those terms. Yeah. So it means that I, well, in, in my case, it means that I'm a biological woman 
And I live my life as a man. And I've been on testosterone for almost four years. Um, and I received two gender-related surgeries. Um, and the reason why I call myself a transsexual instead of transgender is more of it's it's like a statement. It's 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 to distance myself from all of this gender ideology um that we see, the this whole notion that there are more than two genders and you know, you can be in the middle of gender and all of this. It's it's kind of a way for me to to reclaim this old-fashioned word um, or term, transsexual. I don't think it's a negative. Uh, I don't think it's a slur. Um, I think it's a descriptive term to describe someone who has gone through like the medical transition. Because now activists are saying, "Oh, you don't need dysphoria to be trans. You don't need." Um, to medically transition to be trans and all these new rules or lack of rules rather I don't really agree with them so that's why I, I just want to call myself something old-fashioned yeah it's more or less about identity nowadays how you identify and I've, I've seen several videos of those people that I've identified as being trans they're activists and they're going there's no one right way and there's no wrong way of being trans if you just claim to identify as being that then you you must be that so, which is, do you think, do you see that as being problematic? Yeah. And maybe it sounds wrong, but I don't really identify as trans. Like it's not, I don't see me going through this medical transition as my identity. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, it's, it's what I've, it's like, it's what I've done, but it's not who I am. Um, but it's so true though. And I think that's the difference between transsexuals and trans genders and uh, people who identify something else it's like it's their whole personality a lot of times and to me it's just you know i i i recognize that i was not feeling well mentally i figured out what it was and i treated it and now i live a happy life but there's more to life than than what i've done to my body and and this part of my life so yeah. so can we dive into the whole identity aspect? You mentioned that you don't identify as that. And I'm curious, like, how do you identify like as a, as a person? I don't know. I don't, I don't ever use the word identify in English or in Danish because it's like, when I hear I identify as, I hear I pretend to be, mm. and I don't pretend to be anything. I'm very blunt and very honest about who I am. And I often say in my videos and and in interviews, like I am a biological woman, and that's not something you will hear from these trans activists. They will never acknowledge the truth, and I do, and that's because it feels better mentally for me um, to to live in reality. And I I didn't always used to to you know have that opinion, but it's so much easier just to acknowledge the truth. Because the truth will never change, you know? <laughs> so I can just, if I just accept it now, it, it will be so much easier for me in the future. Um, and it's also better for the people who are around me that they don't feel like they have to lie to me and about me. Um, so, so yeah, I don't feel like I identify as anything when, if you know what I mean, like I just, I just am something. <laughs> I identify as a person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people get caught up on the term identity for whatever reason, maybe because it feels good to have this sort of label attached to you. I mean, humans are very good at labeling other people, but then 
being able to label label yourself as something mentally, it's like this cognitive element to it that has a positive connotation a lot of the times, especially if you are struggling with knowing who you are. And a lot of people are struggling. And that's why I, I oftentimes talk about how this is a massive mental health issue for a lot of people in trying to work out their whole identity. A lot of the times people are they start off with depression or anxiety and then they somehow go down the ever-growing list of other mental health issues uh, from that. And then they land on this whole idea of identity. It must be an identity crisis that's going on at the moment. Who am I really? Like trying to figure that out, which for any child, let's say, let's go into the, the child element for a moment. For any child, they're trying to navigate life the best they can. They've been thrown into this crazy, crazy world full of ideas. And if their parents aren't, let's say, sane enough to raise their child in a proper way, and if a child is succumbing to a lot of this peer pressure from their their friends or even from social media, what they're seeing, it's all education. So, of course, a young child being exposed to this kind of material, not really knowing, A, who they are, and then when they're being told they're not this, there's a confliction. But no one really ever talks about that. If you do talk about that, you're transphobic and you're hateful. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I'm being called transphobic. So, I mean, to this point, it's almost a compliment. And if, you know, having that opinion that let kids be, let, let kids be kids, if that's transphobic, then I'm a proud transphobe. Because I think the most important um I think the most important fight in all of this is, you know, the children. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's what I focus on the most. Um, I, I'm also the president of a new anti-LGBT organization here in Denmark called Danish Rainbow Council, and we're fighting for, for children's rights, um, the right to 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 go through your own natal puberty without anyone trying to to be involved in that. And um, yeah, I, I think nothing is more important um, right now. So, yeah. I, I have to totally agree with you on that front. Just let the kids go through a natural process for goodness sake. Stop trying to stop them I mean, give them their innocence back. I think we're, we're taking that from them in a very cruel and nasty way. And I'm interested, like the anti-LGBT organization how did you come to to start that or, or be a part of it oh yeah the anti-woke did i say woke i i can't remember did i say no, anti -woke? i don't think it was, sorry, i don't think i had anti-woke sorry my bad but it's no, i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah it's 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 an it's an anti-woke um organization and we're actually um talking to politicians in the Danish parliament about this whole debate, um, which is such an honor that we, we get to talk to these very important people um, because they're not really educated on this stuff. All of this gender ideology really, you know, came out of nowhere, especially here because we're not, we, um, so Denmark is quite a progressive country, but not like, not America progressive, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're just yeah. old fashioned, you know, uh, left leaning country. 
Um, so, but but anyways, I I, I think even the, the politicians are surprised what what we're allowing today. Um, and a lot of politicians didn't even know that when you're 15 here, you can, without your parents' consent, go through a medical transition, like go on hormones when you're 15. Um, so, um, so yeah, we're, we're fighting for an 18 plus limit on a medical transition and we do receive a lot of backlash, um, especially from activists meaning like what three people <laughs> but it's the same it's the same loud people um but also because we ha we do have an lgbt organization here they they have existed for like many years since like the late 40s but it's only recently that they became woke and they added a plus to lgbt and you know they're not really happy with what we're doing because we're like we're talking about being against that organization um, being an alternative to that. Um, but yeah, we do, uh, but we do receive a lot more support than hate because most people out there in America and in many places in Europe, they don't support like doing this to children. They don't support this idea that there are more than two genders. So yeah, it's overwhelming with the support. Do you think that the age of 18 is an appropriate age? And if so, why 18 specifically? Um, I mean, legally, I think that's a good age. Um, but if you ask me, like, personally, wait as long as you can. Maybe not Caitlyn Jenner, but <laughs> that's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I started my medical transition when I was 20, even though um, I figure out uh, what was going on with me around like age 16, 15. Um, <clears throat> but I waited because I wasn't really ready. So I tried to, to live my life, you know, socially as Marcus if, uh, for a couple of years before the medical transition. And I think that's really healthy. I think the more you wait, the more you're, you know, sure that it's the right decision. Um, but, but I mean, legally, I, I feel like, I feel like 18 is a good age. Um, you could argue 20, of course, you could also argue 25, but I think that's, that's not right. That you have to wait that long, if that makes sense. I argue 25, 26, mainly for males in particular, just because their frontal lobe hasn't fully developed yet until around that age. And that is evidence and science backing it. Females yeah. is a little bit different. So females, you could argue, could be a, a lot younger than that. And there's also science to back that up. So that's my stance on the whole thing. I mean, Helen Joyce has mentioned to me that, I'm not sure if you know who she is. Um, yeah. She was talking about how she's not even sure adults can make this kind of decision for themselves. Do you uh, agree with that line of thinking or not? No, I don't. Um, <clears throat> And the thing is, it's not only the individual themselves who have to make this decision. You know, you seek help. You mm. can't transition on your own. So we have medical professionals and especially if they're like um, public, um, what do you call it? Like uh, hired by the government, right? Yeah. They have a responsibility to, to make sure that this person is going to benefit from the treatment that they are going to give them. So 
and unless you're doing it all by yourself, which is impossible, I think that's illegal. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's just important that we have medical professionals who are who are doing their jobs, and they don't do that right now. Even when it comes to adults, they don't really care that people have been that people have like traumas in their luggage and um, that they maybe have other conditions instead of gender dysphoria. Mm. They just affirm, affirm, affirm. And, and a lot of people say, well, if it, it's adults, whatever. I'm like, no, I think we have a right not to be mis misdiagnosed and wrongfully treated. Um, so, so I think, I think you have to be like at least 18 and then we should have non-ideological doctors and therapists who will, you know, actually help these individuals and meet them where they are, if that makes sense. It, make, it makes complete sense to me, but I guess my question surrounding that has always been, well, in today's day and age, it seems like we've got all these ideological doctors that are in these kind of positions. So how do we know that we're getting a doctor that's not necessarily ideologically inclined if we've actually got, say, if a young person has got gender dysphoria, and they're not see they're not getting the actual help necessary to treat the gender dysphoria. Instead, they're just being affirmed in what's going on. So, how do you trust a medical professional in that instance? Did you get someone that was trustworthy? No, <laughs> no. I had the most horrible ideological doctor who oh. is. Oh, I'm, I'm trying not to be, um, I don't want to be too mean, but it's just because she's quite well known here. And recently she said that because we, um, people like us asked her, you know, if we just blindly, um, give medical transitions to children, aren't you afraid that some of these children will regret it? Because we, we, we are not, we, we can't know if, if this is the right thing for them. And then she said, well, basically she said, well, I don't care because, you know, I would rather um, give this treatment to too many kids than, than not giving it to enough. Like, so some people, some children will like, um, you know, oh my God, my brain. Um, like, so she would rather, yeah, no, it's just how to, to phrase it. Um, she wouldn't want any kid to not receive the who who claim who claims to need the treatment to to not receive it. Um, so rather that some kids will regret it, um, then then some kids uh, gonna end up needing it. Does that make sense? I don't know, but it's just really disgusting. She's a member of W Path. Um, oh, do yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, and that says it all. I yeah. mean, look into it if you don't know. Um, yeah. So no. So with, with in my case, I had a very um, a very ideological doctor, and she also treated the very first public detrans uh, man in my country. That um, is one of the, someone I know, and I've known him for for years. And I also I also figured out that. I also discovered that he, um, she treated him and the whole process was almost identical to mine. Wow. Um, yeah. So in other words, 
I'm lucky that I'm happy with my decision. But for Peter, who regrets his transition, he, you know, he, um, he lost his testicles after only a few appointments and she won't even apologize. She, she, she's not going to admit that she made a mistake. Um, and I think that's really horrifying. So yeah, I was just lucky because as I said, I lived my life as the opposite sex only socially for a couple of years. So, you know, I did think of all these like, Oh, what if it's not this? What if I deal with something else? I, I already, I've already been there and thought of that. So I was just lucky. Why, why don't you think that you made the wrong decision? I mean, you had a negative experience, but what was it about, I guess, your decision to begin with that you don't in fact regret? Why are you happy how you are now? Um, so I've always had this very big lack of inner peace and it's something I've been struggling with my entire life. And I tried to accept it. I thought this is what life is for everyone. Um, but it became worse when I was a teenager and I just, I just felt horrible inside, but I couldn't put it into words. Um, and when I started to, to, to learn more about this, to learn more about transsexualism, which I've never heard of ever. I mean, I'm 23 and you know, I, but, but still I have never heard of it before. Only drag queens <laughs> when I was a kid, um, which is not the thing. Um, but ever since then, it just, it just felt right. It, it felt like it was, and especially when I received the, the medical treatment, it just felt that all this lack of inner peace just went away. Um, and I felt instantly so much better. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if this is the right decision. I can't sit here and say, well, I'm going to live my life as Marcus for the rest of my life. I don't know. Like, how am I supposed to know? So, um, but I, what I do know is that I'm happy and I wake up every day and I'm like deep inside, I'm happy. And I've never experienced that before. So I think that's a, a, a good sign because I used to wake up feeling miserable every day. And, um, you know, recently I got diagnosed with ADHD, like in a mild degree. And, you know, then, uh, my vice president from my organization, he made a joke and he's like, Oh, then you're going to detransition when you get the medication. Um, and then I said, no, I don't think so. Because like to me, and I'm not a, a professional in any way, I'm just me. Um, I feel like, you know, what really determines if someone is going to detransition is like, what problems do you deal with the most? What's going up? Uh, what's going on up here the most? Is it autism? Is is that what affects your life the most? Mm. Your everyday life the most, or is it gender dysphoria? Um, and in my case, ADHD doesn't really affect me the way that gender dysphoria affected me. So, and and as as I said, I I do deal with it in a very mild degree, according to my psycho uh, psychiatrist. So. To me, that's just another, you know, another struggle, but it's a, it's a mild struggle. Um, so I can sit here and say that I'm happy with my transition because I feel like I have treated 
my bad mental health. Um, and no, I don't know if I'm going to regret this in the future, but it's been four years. I, I, I've become happier and ha happier. Um, and, and yeah, I do deal with other mental health stuff. We all do struggle with plenty of things, different things, but it doesn't affect me a whole lot. So, yeah. I'm going to ask you a personal question. You, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but were you bullied growing up? Um, no, no, not the way that I've, I've heard of other people being bullied. No, 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 not at all. I was a very, um, negative kid. I was very, um, I was just negative all the time. I was irritated and, you know, didn't like <laughs> anyone or anything. <laughs> so actually I had a teacher, God bless her. Um, she called me out and she was like, I'm so tired of seeing you always negative, always mad. Like, can't you just be more positive? <laughs> and, the minute, and the minute I was positive, people treated me better. So I thought that people didn't like me. I thought that I was like, you know, bullied, but no, it was just me being miserable. <laughs> You've done a, I guess, side-by-side -side comparison on your Twitter that I've seen of you living life as a, a female and then you obviously living life as a male now when you look at yourself all those years ago do you sometimes miss living life as a female oh that's a good question um i mean sometimes i i, I mean it depends on what we're talking about but like i am treated differently because i'm perceived as male in society and that's sometimes a good thing and then sometimes a bad thing. So I do miss, and this is going to sound harsh, I don't really care because I've literally had this experience because of my biology. <laughs> but women, um, and especially young women, are being coddled by society. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. It's just an, that's just a fact. And I do miss that sometimes. So people expect a little bit more of me in a different way now that I'm living my life as a man. Um, so I do miss being coddled um, that I, when I mess up, I messed up, you know, there's no excuse, no excuses. And it, it's a little bit different. You need to have like, I need to have like thicker skin and people expect me sometimes that I automatic, automatically have thick, thick skin. I don't, um, it's, <laughs> it's very interesting. You seem like a very empathetic, person to me and some, <laughs> someone that is also compassionate at the same time like I can understand where you're coming from and with when I watch all your videos you're not a hateful person at all there's genuine concern oftentimes that depending on the, the person that you're actually speaking about for example Jazz Jennings there is genuine concern for that person because obviously what's happened um, to that person has been tragic. And uh, I, I really do feel for all these people that have, I guess you could say, been abused in the way that they have been abused by doctors, by psychologists, by these horrific people. But one thing that I am grateful for is that you seem like 
you are a happy person now the way that you are. And I've just always been curious, like if you were to look back and see yourself, yeah, that's just always been my, my curiosity. So appreciate you answering those questions, by the way, because I know they're probably not easy questions to actually answer, but how do your friends and family, how do they first react? Wow. Um, it was, it was, a it was a journey. Um, it was, you know, for my friends, well, I don't, act, I'm not actually friends with those people anymore um, for other reasons, but they, they supported me. I'll always, you know, generally I've always had loving and supportive people around me. Um, I, th- I think, you know, of course my parents didn't react like they wouldn't, have, they weren't happy about it. So that's the thing I don't get when I see these videos of, especially these moms who are like, fake they're like faking being happy when their kids are coming out to them as trans Mm. and i think that's a little bit disturbing because you know not only are are your kid coming out as trans they're coming out there's they're saying to you i really struggle with my mental health i struggle so much with my mental health that i have to change my entire life and the body that you've created i mean how can you be happy about that um as a parent so so just because I say that my parents were miserable when I told them, devastated, it's like, it was very rough. It was a tough time. It's not, it's not, it's not like they didn't support me. You know what I mean? It, it's not like they were transphobic. They actually, it's actually the opposite. It's because they understood how serious this whole thing is. Um, so now, you know, there's, so, we're, we, I have a great relationship with my, with my parents and they're the most amazing people in the world. Um, but it took some time for them to understand because it is hard to understand. What's your version or definition of transphobia? Does it even exist? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I never use that word only to, you know, prove a point maybe, but, um, no, I hardly, I hardly see anything that's actually transphobic. And a lot of times it's, it's about homophobia. It's like, okay, so bad people will, will always exist, but it's, you know, it's people who have a, you know, it's people who have a problem with like LGBT in general. So, so yeah, but no, I, I don't use that word. I think it's ridiculous. I, I did a video. I'm not sure if you saw it or not talking about. YouTube, unfortunately, I believe took it down. It was one of the videos that they flagged <laughs> among the many that they did. That's another story. But I I spoke about how in order for someone to be labeled as homophobic or transphobic, let's look at that and let's break it down for a little bit. A phobia is actually a diagnosed psychological condition. So that would mean that every single person that is labeled with homophobia or transphobia has some sort of psychological condition running around and we should all go to the psychologist and try and get that sorted. It must mean that, right? (laughs) That's the way my brain looked at it. And uh, I also looked at it from the perspective of, well, in order for transphobia to exist, we must look at the ideology. So it was made up by humans and as a result, therefore, being transphobic 
can no longer actually be the case because it's based around an ideology that was made up. So this term is in fact made up. So I, if you want to label me as that, by all means, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. That's oh, the way that's I such get a it. Good point. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I didn't mean to be offensive to you at all or anything of that particular nature. So I hope that you didn't get offended by me saying any of that. But I wanted to ask you about. Firstly, are you our only child? Sorry? Are you our only child? Uh, No, I have an older brother. An older brother. Okay. What did you want to, I guess, be like career-wise when you were growing up? Do you you have any ambitions, any thoughts at all? Yeah. Like since I was six, I wanted to be a chef. But Hmm. um, uh, when I was uh, 15... 15 or 16, I went to this, um, um, yeah, I, I pursued that dream and went to school. And then people told me that it was a very tough job. It's, you know, uh, not the best work environment. And then I wanted to be a deli, a deli butcher, a, a deli chef. I'm not sure what you will call it in English. Uh, and then I worked uh, in a deli for a year and a half, but then I quit the whole I quit the school. I just didn't, it wasn't for me. And, you know, I've had many, and I wouldn't say I've had many passions, but I've had many ideas about what, what I wanted to become. And that's because I was under the impression that I had to be something like be in school and educate, um, be educated, um, in a certain area. But now I just, I don't see myself go to go to school like like people my age are right now um so i i have like i do um i do have like a college degree the school system is very different here but i think it's like a college degree um that you know i was done with five years ago six years ago um but but i'm not planning on go to school i'm not planning on you know getting other types of degrees right now. Like I, I live in a country because of the big welfare system. So I can, I, I have plenty of time. I know 40 year olds who are in school, so it's, it's fine. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I'm actually really jealous of over there. Um, also, can you make Danish donuts? Danish donuts. Oh, you mean the, the pastry? Yeah. Those little Danish donuts, like my, uh, our family friends, they're part Danish. Their grandma is from Denmark. So she, she used to come over here. Uh, she's living in Australia now and she would make these Danish donuts all the time. They were, I kid you not, they were just, it's a miracle I didn't get fat. Let's put it that <laughs> They were so good. Like, yeah, it's, it's better in Denmark. It's better than uh, because I see it at Starbucks in the US. It looks disgusting, you know, compared to what it actually is. <laughs> so, yeah. does Starbucks make anything good? Oh, yeah. I used to work there. I'm not going <laughs> 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 to. on a place used to work at. <laughs> good <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I I had to throw that in there, my friend. Like what other foods, this is going completely left field. Didn't think we'll go down here, but just real quick, what other foods are your sort of like guilty pleasure? 
that's Danish or just in general? It's Danish. Like, what is Danish food? Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, at, at, at Christmas, we have very, very nice food. I mean, that's not going to make you lose weight. It's the opposite. It's a lot of potatoes and, you know, brown sauce and, you know, uh, pork with a lot oh, of fat yeah. on it's just the, it's very delicious. Oh, <laughs> uh, sounds yeah. heavenly. That I would, I would thrive over there. I really would. <laughs> Probably. If you ever come to, to Denmark, let me know. <laughs> I, I will, my friend. I will. I have to ask you about your YouTube decision because that seemed to be a pretty epic decision for you to make because you're really well known now. You've been doing it, I believe, for four years. Is that correct? Yeah. What was the yeah. What was the choice for you to start YouTube? Was it just like a one-off thing? Hey, I'll start a YouTube channel. Um, it was because of Blair White because um, who's like uh, the OG in all of this. She's you know the trans the, the first trans person really uh, speaking out against uh, this madness that's going on. And I remember, you know, I've been a fan of hers for, for many years now. And I remember like texting her that I really like, I'm a, I'm a trans person agreeing with you. And I think it's cool that you speak up. And she's like, thank you, but no, thank you. Because she's just at the, at the time, she was so tired of like being the only one, the, the only trans person, um, speaking out against all this. And she was like, well, I appreciate all these messages I get from trans people, but she really wished that we were out there being outspoken with outspoken with her because she gets a lot of hate and it looks like she's like the, the, the weird one out or what do you call it? Dog one out. Um, and it, it looks like she's the black sheep of the trans community which in reality, in reality, it's actually the opposite, you know, believing more than two genders is controversial, is offensive. And not a lot of people believe in that. Um, but it looks like she's the minority in this community, which she's not. Um, so that inspired me to, to help her and help this fight. And what was the, do you remember the first video you ever created? How did it do to start off with? Yeah, it's, it's still on there. Um, I reacted to non-binary ideology um, and I actually think it's, it's, I think it's still really good because it's so interesting how like what I chose to say back then, you know, it's very different than now. Um, so it's really good to look back sometimes, even though it's horrible to listen to my old voice and it was before testosterone. And <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I debunked some very basic arguments uh, coming from the non-binary community. That interests me a lot, the whole non-binary argument. I always go, whatever the hell that means. Because it's like, you're, I say you're somewhere in the clouds, but we can't actually see you. We're trying to see you, but we can't because it doesn't necessarily make too much sense. So how do you navigate that whole non-binary discussion? Well, I always, I always say that it's not a real thing. And, and then I like to say, because it's the most common, um, argument I get from, from that side. Well, the people are real. Of course they are. 
We're not talking about ghosts. They do exist. Um, But what they call themselves, call themselves is not a real thing. Um, And, you know, sometimes I do live debates and I, you know, when I'm out uh, in, in real life talking to people who don't agree with me, I always say, how many ways can you be a man and a woman? I don't know. There's no limit. Exactly. Why do you need more than two genders then? Well, well, they don't know what to say because it's BS, you know? Mm. It's uh, it's a bit weird in many respects. Like to try, I think there's over a billion different genders I heard someone say, which is nuts. Like how many do you actually need or want? And then we have to remember that gender that you have created for yourself and i'm just like i i'm i'm getting old i'm i'm not <laughs> i can't remember all that stuff like make it simple humans are so good at complicating things that are meant to be so simple it's like what is going on in the brain i mean you understand it but yet so many other people don't understand it and it's more like is this just a blatant denial of something like, but yet they want it to be in our face. They want us to respect them, but they can't respect us at the same time. So it's like, we're at an impasse. What do we do? (laughs) How do we, it's like crossing the Rubicon almost. It's like, should we, or shouldn't we? What's the, what's the, what's the right choice here? Have you, have you figured it out? In your just thinking? to say no to these people. We, no? we have to just say no. It's like, hard to say no, of, right? Yeah, it's it, a lot of these trans activists, woke activists in general, are just, they act like children. And what do you do with children? You have to say no to them sometimes. Oh, trans women are women. No. There are more than two genders. No. Like, <laughs> I think it's funny, but they do act like children. They they scream when they don't get their ways. I, I really don't like it. But basically what I think about non-binary is there's a group of people out there who are regular men and women. A lot of times it's like straight women, mm-hmm. you know, regular straight women. And they really want the same attention. Like they look at the trans community, like the transsexual community. And they are jealous of all the attention they get, all the praise that they get. Um, and we can, you know, you could argue that we get too much attention and praise. Um, so they want to, they, they want to be a part of that. And so they have created this fake label. Um, and they, they have, they, they always steal a lot of the struggles that actual trans people go through. And then they like, you know, make some small changes to it. And then they claim that they go through it themselves. Mm. Um, Yeah. And that's why, you know, I think the transsexuals more than anyone should be offended by this whole concept. As a transsexual, what are some of the challenges that you go through on a daily basis, if any? Yeah. So um, in my case, I'm, I'm a transsexual who is um, done with my medical transition um, and I do deal with side effects on a daily basis. 
Um, so because of testosterone, does that worry you? No, it, well, I easily worry, but I can worry about anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but so because of testosterone, because my lack of estrogen that my body, you know, wants when you think about it and needs, um, and because I had a hysterectomy, I got my, my uterus and ovaries removed. I have a lot of bladder issues and that's really annoying. And, you know, it, it, sometimes it's not that bad. Sometimes it's really bad. So that's something you will hear a lot from, from trans guys, which I call myself. You would also hear it from detransitioners who are females. You would also hear it from women in menopause. So you have some different types of uh, females who go through this. Um, and yeah, there, there's a bunch of side effects. They're really small, but it's something that you don't really hear about. And it's not something that my doctor warned me about. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really annoying because the last time I talked to the trans clinic who, who are, you know, prescribing me testosterone, I had talked about like a side effect because I, um, I'm always sore in my right side of my, my pelvis. And I've had a friend, a regular woman who had a hysterectomy. She's like, that's because of that. Okay. Um, so when I told her, the doctor, she was like, but you don't regret your transition, right? <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm feeling a little pain every day. Am I not allowed to say that without regretting the whole thing? It was just, it was so bizarre to me that they, they just, they don't warn you about the, the side effects. They don't really take you seriously when you talk about them after getting this treatment. Um, so it's really frustrating because if, if they warned me, I would mentally just feel a lot better about the side effects because it's not nice to figure it out that you're have to, you have to go through this, if not all your life. Um, and you have to experience that on your, you know, yourself. So it's almost like trying to guilt trip you in many ways. Like you made this decision, it's your fault. So I'm going to ask you whether or not you regret it, even though you've gone ahead and done it and I affirmed you doing it, which is just, that's evil. That is just like downright pure evil. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens to all the kids as well. Like they... Unfortunately, they'll go and see a psychologist and there's the whole, uh, you're not allowed to do any kind of conversion therapy, even though asking questions and saying no to a child and trying to help a child is not conversion therapy in the slightest, but they label it as being conversion therapy and you can lose your, your practicing license. So a lot of psychologists, the they're very quick now to just affirm it. And then when they send that child to a gender specialist or whatever, I'm not even sure they're really specialists because if you're doing that to a kid, you, you just, nah, sorry, you know, nowhere near a specialist in my eyes. Are you a specialist in butchering children? That's for sure. But they will then emotionally blackmail the child. They won't tell the parent or the child the side effects or anything else. 
and they don't they don't have any long term side effects either. They don't know how this is really going to affect them, say ten years down the track, because they don't really have those kind of studies. So when you go back to them and say, "Look, I'm feeling this," they're like, "Oh, it's your fault. You you decided to make this decision." I'm like, "Hang on a minute, what? <laughs> you you affirmed it. That's not yeah, helpful. you were the responsible one. Yeah. So yeah. I I can yeah I I can understand your predicament at the moment because it's not. It's not really affirming, is it? It's not really helping you mentally. It's just, yeah, guilt trip, major way. So yeah, and as I said earlier, I, you know, me acknowledging that I'm a biological woman living my life as a man. I'm not a real man. I'm not the same as you. Um, made my mental health so much better. And I have, I have a trans friend in real life. Um, who felt the exact same way. And even though he's like a very masculine uh, trans guy and, you know, then these type of things are a little bit more sensitive to him. Of course, I'm naturally a a lot more feminine than him. Um, But in his case, he also felt better mentally because of it. And I think that's very, it makes me really happy because it makes sense. Like when, when you hear all these like people like uh, Matt Walsh and, people from the right say, oh, trans people are delusional. Well, no, we're not. Um, so that that's one thing. But the second thing, it's not really great for your mental health to live in delusions um, and to, to, yeah, to, to believe in delusional things. So, um, so yeah, um, I, but I do, the side effects I deal with are, are fine. Like I, I it's manageable and, um, yeah. And sometimes if it's really, really rough and other times I hardly feel anything physically. So, so yeah, it's, you know, it's my decision uh, uh, and I'm really happy with, with my decision. And I would much rather deal with some physical issues right now than not feeling like, not feeling like myself pre-transition, feeling so horrible inside Um as I said, I wake up every day and I'm happy, which is a blessing. So that's what I try to focus on the most. I think you're you're living in reality because you know you're a biological woman. If you were saying, no, 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 I've transitioned. I believe that I'm a biological man. That's where the delusion lies. So when I know, I don't know Matt Walsh personally, and I kind of know where he's coming from in a way. And then also from my perspective, you've got a lot of these people that are just activists that claim that they're women when they're not, it's just a fetish for them. So I think it's like on an individual level, you got to ask that individual what's going on for them. And if they're not living in reality, let's say, then you can go, all right, delusional. But for the most part, a lot of people are sadly living in this delusional fantasy they're on cloud nine and they just uh that's i believe who myself and a lot of other people actually are referring to like i'm not referring to you at all in any of the videos but yeah unfortunately it's the the vast majority of these particular people that kind of make a bad name for you guys which i kind of yeah, 
it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they are the majority of what you see in the media, but they don't represent real life. So they're actually, which is funny it, and it's weird because they're a majority online of, of trans people in quotations, but in real life, it's like three people. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and especially when it comes to trans men, I mean, if you look like me, if you look like my friend, if you look like Buck Angel, why do you need to talk about being trans all the time when you look like a guy? Um, so, so that's why I also say that the majority of transsexuals, they're, they're just rational and they know what they are, but they just want to live their lives as um, discreet as possible. I love Buck Angel, by the way. Uh, he, he was, um, we are emailing back and forth and then he was telling me, that he was listening to my podcast. It's like something that he does in the morning where he's at the gym. And I'm just like, you're listening to my voice. <laughs> you're at the gym. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> that can't be motivating at all. <laughs> uh, Maybe. But, yeah, he, he's awesome. But I have two final questions for you, Marcus, if that's all right with you. What do you love the most about yourself and your story? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like that feeling I get every time I wake up and every day when I wake up is just, it's undescribable. That's why I don't know really what to say because it's so normal. I wake up and feel normal and that's the goal. And that's the difference between people like me and the people you see in the media that call themselves trans. They don't want to be normal and they hate me because I want to be normal and I want to be perceived as normal. Um, so the fact that I can wake up every day and feel like, like a normal human being is, you know, the best feeling in the world. And that's why I don't describe all this that I'm feeling, um, all the, the positive um, feelings as euphoria. I don't really like that term because when you look it up, it's actually quite irrational. And I don't feel like I have a lot of positive, like overly positive emotions, if that makes sense. I, I just feel calm and people also call me calm, which is nice to hear that you can also sense that. Um, I feel calm and normal. And I'm really happy that what I've gone through really worked. Because it doesn't work for everyone. You do have a calming presence. That is certain. What's next for you, Marcus? What's on the horizon for you? Um, when it comes to like my job, like my... Yeah, yeah career-wise, life-wise. Where do you see yourself, I guess, tomorrow, next week? What's next? Um... Twitter, Twitter is, uh, is the future because, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want to say on Twitter and I'm over YouTube. I, I'm still <laughs> going to continue. I'm still going to continue making videos on YouTube, but you know, YouTube is not the future. And I'm not saying that just about my own, like when it comes to my own, um, uh, channel and job but also for 
most people who are on this rational side, the future is not YouTube. And unless that Elon buys YouTube, that could be great. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> but um, no, Twitter, Twitter and Rumble. I love that that there are alternative platforms. So, um, so yeah, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue staying in Copenhagen. It's an amazing city. I'm not from here, so there are plenty of opportunities. You don't live with your parents anymore. You moved out. Yeah, I live in a, a tiny apartment. That's extremely expensive, <laughs> but <laughs> worth it. <laughs> and what yeah. you, what we didn't talk about was YouTube got rid of your your entire show just like that. And then all of a sudden it came back just like that. So real quick, how did, how did that all transpire? I have no idea. I just, I just got an email one day saying that they have deleted my channel because I violated some of their guidelines. They didn't actually in that email tell me what those guidelines were. Um, They didn't tell me what I've done wrong and stuff. Um, But you know, and they, when I got it back, which took a while, they kind of made an apology saying it was just a mistake. But at the same time, they, 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 they told me what I did wrong. So that's not an apology email when you're actually blaming me. Um, and I told so that's you why that. I, yeah, it's like, remember, we're the ones in charge and you have to do yep. what we say. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm so over this that platform I, I i don't have a lot of respect for them anymore no you can't say anything like that violates their so-called policies and procedures and the thing is when you look at them they make zero sense and they expect you to do your own audit you don't even think that you're hateful you violated the policy to begin with so you don't even know what you're really looking for Makes no sense, but here we are. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I digress. Marcus, it has been an absolute joy and a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for all that you do. I appreciate you. Uh, love your story. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 